eyes are the sign. Opened up my eyes, I saw the sign. Hey, Corey, my brother's priest it does BJJ, and I think he lives near you. I'm going to try to hook you guys up so you guys can BJJ together. Uh, yeah. Why does your brother's priest live in Sao Paulo? Uh, because he is half Brazilian and half black, and he went to Mizzou for his education. Um, is he going to try and convert me? No, he's not that kind of priest. Uh, black zillion. But... It- <laughs> 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 Anyways, he did, uh... He... It was cool. He he did the ceremony. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 36. We're brought to you by Pop Chest, a media distribution platform which uses Bitcoin micropayments to directly reward content creators. So if you make premium videos, head on over to popchest.com. And within minutes, you can start receiving Bitcoin from every viewer. The more people that watch it, the more Bitcoin you get. Want to watch cool Bitcoin videos? Head to theprotocol.tv. That's T-H-E-P-R-O-T-O-C-O-L dot TV to watch an exclusive one-hour interview with the biggest brain in Bitcoin, Vitalik Buterin, founder of the Ethereum Project. The only way to watch this commercial-free is on theprotocol.tv. And... Bitcoin micropayments enabled by Pop Chest. Also, we're brought to you by the good people at escrowmybits.com. Let me tell you about this fast, super easy service. You register, deposit Bitcoin, seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, and releases the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So I'm talking euros. I'm talking yen. I'm talking that useless Canadian money, USD. They got you covered. Not a problem. So your funds are kept in a secure two of three multi-signature transaction where they only hold the one key. The rest is yours. Put it in your pocket. Take it home with you. Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. Their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. And we want there to be no longer any excuses on the why not to use escrow. So to start the escrow process, go to their website. Make sure you sign up for their newsletter to stay up to date. That's escrowmybits.com. Okay, so with all this stuff going on in the Bitcoin, with the Mike Hearn who said that Bitcoin has failed because the community has failed, well, our answer to that is we got MK Lords, who's known as the managing editor of Bitcoin Not Bombs, panelist on the Bitcoin group, writer for publications such as Bitcoin Magazine, host of the interview show Crypto Convos, as well as the co-organizer of the conferences Bitcoin in the Beltway and Coins in the Kingdom. She also brings knowledge from the financial industry as the office and media manager for precious metal brokerage Robert and Roberts. Six months ago, Bitcoin startup Airbits, who we know and love, was pleased to welcome MK Lords to the team as their community manager. So, what does a community manager do? Is MK Lords a level 19 warlock with plus two spirit damage? What kinds of things does Airbits have planned for 2016? All this and more. And as Airbits brand champion um, and ambassadors, uh, it's kind of our duty to bring you this interview. So, 
Mike Kern said that Bitcoin has failed because the community has failed. We disagree. So let's get into that. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to episode number 36 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And I'm the best host, three, Corey. Ooh. Ooh, dirty Ooh, I move. Did <laughs> I did it. You went off uh, the script. Oh, my B. <laughs> uh, this episode's all about uh, community aspect. Um, so Mike Hearn's departure from Bitcoin and his uh, recent blog post revealed issues with Bitcoin has evoked a response from the community and leading members of the Bitcoin community say nothing's wrong with Bitcoin as Bitcoin classic leads the way. Uh, past guests on our show, Eric Voorhees said that just as loss of man who wrote classic literature doesn't mean death of the English language, nor does the loss of Hearn employ imply the death of Bitcoin, which is some Conor McGregor level shit talking. And there are essentially <laughs> two camps, right? The ones who find it funny how the only people pushing Bitcoins are the ones already invested in it, or Mike Hearn is 100% correct in his analysis of the disastrous mess that is Bitcoin. And that's why the max block, block size is going to be doubled soon. So although he caused some drama, he did manage to galvanize the community. Uh, what are you guys' take on this? You're asking us to talk about the Mike Hearn debate. And how kind of the com- you know how like nine eleven brought the community. That's a bad example. How, <laughs> Damn. How, <laughs> how something bad can bring the community together. That's I, I did I don't not know see that coming. That. Straight to nine eleven. <laughs> there, there were so many stops in between. You went straight to that. Okay. Um, Corey, you want me to take aspect. this one? Yeah, community it's, aspect. It's, it's definitely. It's one of those things that's like someone says something, somebody, somebody has an opinion and then it's the media gets a hold of it and it can be negative because, you know, lead CEO developer of, of, of Bitcoin now hates Bitcoin, thinks it's a, thinks it's a failed project. It's out in the media and then everyone's like, Oh, I told you Bitcoin would fail. And then all this puff pieces and, you know, dumb shit gets, gets posted. And that's the way the internet works when in reality, nothing is wrong. It's working exactly the way it should. And when there is a problem, if there is a problem, then it gets fixed in a variety of different ways. And what I listened to something that um, Andreas talked about a while ago and that his, the, the Bitcoin XT and the way Mike Hearn did things forced Bitcoin core to talk about the issues that they weren't talking about. It, it pushed the envelope and force them to at least make make the conversation. And that's a good thing. Regardless of whether or not Bitcoin XT was going to work, which it probably won't, uh, because of a few other things outside of just the 8 megabyte block limit that he proposed, uh, it forced something to happen. And it gave people a, 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 like a release valve. And that set the course for other people to do the same thing in a much, and probably in a much better way. 
i.e. Bitcoin Unlimited, Bitcoin Classic, and all that type of stuff. So it really just shows that Bitcoin works regardless of whether or not the people who are working on the software are doing the things the community wants. In the end, the community will get what they want because they can just fork the code and the community will back them. Yeah. Oh, the miners will back them. It's all about the miners, really. He, I mean, about my current, I mean, after I put my sharpened pitchfork down in my noose that I had, and I, me and the boys, the posse, we calmed down, and we said, you know, maybe it wasn't such a bad thing. Mike Hearn, what Mike Hearn did was kind of bitch made. There's no way around that. But like Corey said, and like you guys said, it galvanized the community towards a change because it needs a change. I mean, it's not like Bitcoin is broken. If, if anything, it's, it's working better than ever. We're at max capacity. There's that many people in the mall of Bitcoin trying to buy shit. We need to build the mall bigger. That's what we need to do. So, Mike Hearn did what he did. Uh, he sold all of his Bitcoin, which is dumb. But it got us all on the right track towards like trying to come up with some sort of consensus. You know, consensus is hard to get, man. And it's it's hard to say. Well, there's a massive majority because I think the community is so scared of that word majority. Because that's kind of how things, the way things are done in democracies now. But it's like a fake majority. Yeah, but okay, so some, something happens, right? At, this, at some point, Bitcoin changes and it becomes, and the software changes and, and then, you know, what happens then? Nothing. It's Bitcoin continues to work. And if there is an issue, it gets solved and changed after mm-hmm. the fact. I mean, it's not like... You make this change and, oh, God, it can never go back. It's Everything's ruined, right? If, if it, Bitcoin is an emergent phenomenon. And when something – when more people use it and, and the error comes up, then you fix it. It's just like everything else. There's not a big issue. Some people may lose some money in the process of finding out some said error or a vulnerability is, is exposed. But it gets fixed. And overall, it, it's better. It's, it's for the better. And – if something's like that, if something like that is going to happen, it should happen now and not when it's, you know, the internet protocol where it, everything is based upon it. It's, it's young enough to have a small mistake and recover perfectly fine from. The devs need an 80s montage music moment, man, where somebody just stands up and starts working out hardcore and then at the end of it says some phenomenal shit like, let's do this. And then boom, the scene changes and we're forking the, we're forking it and we're, and we've got a bigger block size. Okay. Here's, here's something that I think a lot of people don't talk about or discuss or even think about when they, Montages. when they, when they, yeah, they definitely don't think about that, which they may, they may need. But when you propose a hard fork, you may like the idea that the software contains, but there may not be a group of people behind that software to maintain and develop it. That's trustworthy. So mm. you're not not you're not only voting for the change in the software. You're voting for the people who have the ability to change the software and maintain it from then on, right? So, yeah, what happens if you if you support a fork? It changes to a, a different software, uh, and 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 the, and the developers that maintain it, and those software developers suck, or they quit, or they don't do anything. 
I mean, you can have a good idea, but to follow with the idea is is really where the virtue is. And, and the core, Bitcoin Core has done a good job and they've stuck with it for a long time. They made, it's because they're funded, which is a big, which is a big deal. If, if you want someone to spend their entire life maintaining such a large piece of software or, and, and taking care of it and implementing the changes the community wants, it's a full-time job and they need to be paid for it. And that's a difficult thing to do. And so whenever somebody gets paid for something, you bring in the bias of who's paying them and what they're paying them for. And so a lot of those things need to be taken into, into, into your decision when you support a certain chain or a certain fork or what the Bitcoin core people are doing. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people are doing that. We should pay I, old I, school style. Go ahead, Chella. I, I, you know, I was listening to what Corey was saying, and I think the core has has some brilliant ideas, but I think the devs are way, way too afraid of hard forking. Because hard forking is something that will need to be done many times. And um, Well, that's what they're the, trying to do. They're trying to make it so, I mean, with like segregated witness, it may be a difficult, maybe it may not be the easiest thing to implement, but it solves a huge amount of issues. And it also allows the software to be updated without a hard fork for the future. So it, it, it future-proofs the current Bitcoin protocol a lot, but I'm, yeah, yeah, I agree. Which, I which agree. is a good thing. It may be difficult to implement, but it's not, it's not being implemented, implemented only to solve the block size debate. It just happens to solve it. It solves a ton of issues with the current protocol of Bitcoin and it can do that all through soft forks, which is amazing. And hard yeah. forks should be avoided if you can avoid them. It's just yeah. at some point they may need to happen and they need to happen, you know, nicely and i'm of the belief that we we should let the market decide the block limit rather than a hard-coded parameter because believe me miners they're not going to public they're not going to publish blocks that are bigger than necessary as they're the ones risking increased orphan rates so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm actually really disappointed with the mining community for giving their voice and votes to the core because ultimately core has really done a poor job of listening to the community and and giving businesses a clear roadmap of understanding bitcoin capacity I said we put classic and core in the Thunderdome and let Thunderdome let them go at it. You know what I'm saying? Let the market There's other decide. other ones too. Put them all in there. And they can fight to the death like old gladiator style. There you go. And we'll watch with our big pieces of turkey legs and, dun, 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 and beer. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> turkey Perhaps legs developers, and beer. Uh, they should concentrate on what they're actually good at, just writing code. That's it. Yeah. It's, that's a hard line to say. I mean, part of the idea of Bitcoin is that it's decentralized and there is no leader of, of, of Bitcoin. You have people with a certain amount of power that are more than others, such as this Bitcoin core developers, which could be usurped if they do things that everyone else disagrees with, i.e. a hard fork. But it, it's, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's a very difficult thing to say. Yeah. I think the, you know, the few employees there, the few the few employees there who actually want what is best for Bitcoin, despite their ego, are just going to continue developing on the longest blockchain. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, everyone who makes these changes are doing it because they think that's the best for Bitcoin. No one's purposefully trying to make a change to say "fuck Bitcoin." Uh, I'm going to ruin it. There's no yeah, like malice there. It's everyone's opinion, and some people' opinions are better than others. It's I mean, there's there's you can have an opinion because, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good or right. Mm-hmm. Corey, what you said, every time you say hard for hard forks should be avoided. I think of that, uh, tenacious D song, you know, you don't always have to fork her hard. <laughs> you don't 
always have to fork it hard. I don't know why, but it just <laughs> it, it's perfect. Maybe it's we right can get there. Jack Black on the show to make that for us. <laughs> that would be awesome if we if we wrote the lyrics. It had to be Bitcoin related, but or a Jack Black impersonator, so we can do that and put it on YouTube. We should pay the devs Xerxes style with concubines and hookah lounges. Maybe little B can help us out with that. That's not gonna. <laughs> that's not gonna buy your groceries. Will the concubines bring bring you groceries? If they bring you everything you need, then that's that's cool. I'm cool with a, I'm cool with a service provider concubine. Haven't you ever seen the concubines? <laughs> like they go down, man. They get exactly <laughs> well. <laughs> they do. That's not what I meant. I meant that they they provide you with everything you need, including including hand lotion. Like so, they they get you squared away. So we should just pay them all in concubines and grapes. You pay the concubines and grapes? No, no, no. The concubines <laughs> bring you grapes. They oh. are the payment. Yeah, yeah. These drones. The concubines get paid in appreciation. You live in a fantasy world. I just watched 300 a lot, and I know that scene where all the concubines are going to town. They're looking like they're loving it. They're like, oh, I'm loving being a concubine. So It's because they're whores. No, no, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> You're really sullying their profession, Corey. They are concubines, okay? They're a step above. Anyways, um, what's next on the docket? Or are we going to go into the, the – what's up? I got an exclusive piece of news that no one has heard of yet. Including us? Uh, including you guys. You don't even know about this unless oh, you read the shit. email. Drop the bomb. All right. So our guest is from Airbits, and uh, Airbits has officially expanded to Europe. Oh. So if 2015 saw massive achievements for Airbits, 2016 promises to be even more stellar, uh, hot on the heels of their recent announcement of releasing a buy and sell feature in the U.S. and Canada and their integration of Fold to easily buy discounted gift cards for Starbucks and Target. Airbits is announcing a presence in Switzerland. And uh, that that area in Switzerland is called Zug. And that has been dubbed the Silicon Valley of finance in Europe. And uh, offices from Zappo, Shapeshift, and many more are there. So uh, they are now in Europe. Zug life. I mean, I... Wow. (laughs) I see... I see Airbits becoming huge, one of the main the, the cornerstones of the Bitcoin app community. I agree. They do in 2016. Things, they do things the, well, man. The team, well, the team behind their app and the things that they're, I guess, the also the the ethics behind the way they make their app and how they do things is is very good, for a lack of more eloquent words. Mm-hmm. If the security is there, the privacy is there, it, it gives power to the consumer, it educates the consumer a little bit. It's easy to use, it's aesthetic, it has everything you need. Yeah. You they, implement, a, they implement good ideas and allow you to save a lot of money. Absolutely. You live in a good city, pull up that uh, merchant directory, boom, you know exactly where you can spend your Bitcoin. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great wallet, great app, and I like how they keep it. 
teasing us every time they come on the show. They're like, oh, we're going to be allowing you to secure other things through AirBits. We're going to be doing more and stuff. So it's going to get better and better. Good kudos to AirBits, but let's get MK Lords off up in here. The coolest yep. name in the world. It is, isn't it? Uh, writer, editor, radio, co-host, fire dancer, community manager, MK Lords. I like he just threw fire dancer in there. <laughs> it's my. It was my favorite favorite Tra- thing that she does. Trapeze artist, shrukin enthusiast, belly dancer, long shower taker. <laughs> MK Lords, canoe builder. <laughs> Sorry, here it is. All right, so. Small business owners are, they're still stuck on whether or not a community manager is, is a good investment. And I think it's largely because they don't understand what community managers do. Uh, I know a good community manager isn't just hanging out on social media or forums all day, I imagine. So tell us a bit about your, your day to day duties. Right. So social media is a part of it. I manage feedback and I try to make sure that the people using our app are happy. Uh, you know, I listen to them if they say that, hey, I want this feature in or I don't like this or this needs to be easier to do. So I collect feedback and get it back to the team uh, that, that's working on the app. I also organize a lot of events. So tonight uh, there's a meetup in San Diego that I organized uh, with a couple other people. And then uh, there's also other meetups. I reach out to other meetup groups to try try to kind of spread the word of Airbits. So we try to get speaking engagements there, whether it's Skyping in or uh, as, if it's local, we try to go there in person. And so that's kind of what I've been focusing on a lot lately is reaching out to other Bitcoin meetups and then other tech meetups too. Kind of, there's, there's a broader tech scene in San Diego that's, uh, that's growing and you, we definitely want to be a part of that. And, and other events too, not just meetups, you know, other educational events, um, going to conferences, speaking at conferences too. I've also organized conferences in the past and yeah, you know, writing content, uh, creating content. We actually, right before I jumped on air, we got a video out today, a brand new video featuring a really cool part of our app that shows you how you can do accounting stuff with Bitcoin. So, yeah, so I do a lot of different things. It's really great. Uh, so yeah, everything from content creation to, you know, reaching out to the people who are using our app and then also trying to bring people who are unfamiliar with Bitcoin into the fold. Very cool. And then, you know, just talking about, I guess, since you've joined Airbits in the last, you know, year, uh, you've gone through several things, you know, academically, professionally, personally, moving across the country can definitely be a scary thing that that this opportunity at Airbits come along at the right time for you and and what has it done for your life thus far? I think it came at just the right time. So right before I started working at Airbits, I went through a kind of tumultuous period in my life. I went through a divorce and I was still in my hometown at the time. I had been there forever. I'd done a lot of traveling, but I was still there. And I really liked the job I had at the time. It was at Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, which is a precious metals brokerage firm in Pensacola. So that was great. I loved my job, but I, I was ready for a change. And I, you know, I traveled a lot and I always wanted to live outside of Pensacola. So when Airbits contacted me and I went through the interview process and they asked if I would be willing to move out to San Diego, I was like, heck yeah. So, um, so I was like, well, how how soon, you know, do I need to be out there? They were like, you know, kind of within this time frame. I had 
pretty short amount of time to get out here. Um, but uh, I actually would have been out, out here sooner. Um, I just had to deal with some kind of personal things, uh, you know, after the divorce. But uh, I just I just went with it. I, I wasn't super prepared to move like I had been wanting to move for a while. And it was a it was like a further back plan um, than I originally had at the time. So I was like, well, I'll give it like another year. I'll save up, you know, and then I'll move out west somewhere. But uh, when Airbits contacted me, I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. And it was such a great team of people. So I was like, heck, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. And I just was like, I'll wing it. You know, I'll just make it work. Um, so, so yeah, I packed up everything. I got rid of a lot of stuff. And I moved across the country. And I kind of hit a few little bumps in the road, you know, when I got here, there was some some kind of weird things that happened, but uh, I feel mostly settled in now, and it's just, it's definitely been a really positive experience. Many now, people wouldn't have the guts to do that. Yeah, Absolutely. I just went for it. I was like, ah, I might as well. It's the best time to do it. So <laughs> sometimes you gotta head out California way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, to to take it to Airbits on uh, last month. Uh, you guys launched a USY Bitcoin Starbucks campaign, like uh, having the, the Starbucks come right up in the app and get the Starbucks gift card. So could, could you tell us about how this idea came about and what were some of the results and what kind of similar campaigns may you guys run in the future? Can we get some exclusives? Oh, uh, so yeah, we, we got some good news coming up. So this came out of a partnership with FoldApp. And a lot of us in the office had already been using the service. Uh, you, you could use it to buy um, gift cards for Starbucks, and it was really easy to use. But we were like, wouldn't this be cool if we could just make it right in the app and make it even easier to use? Uh, so we ended up talking with those guys. They thought it was a good idea, too. And so we we combined forces, and we were like, let's put it in the app. And also, you can get Target gift cards, too. So you'll be able, uh, it's only about a 6% discount right now, but we're hoping to get that a little bit higher. And we do have a few really big retailers coming up. So I, I can't quite mention who they are, but we have three coming up that I think are going to fit the needs of pretty much everyone else. So we have Target and Starbucks, which fit a pretty wide audience. Most people love coffee and like everyone loves Target. I get everything from Target just about already. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yep. the next ones, I, I can say one's going to be uh, a grocery store and one's going to be kind of similar to Target, a little uh, dealing with a lot of different um, you know, retail items. And then another one's going to be uh, something for contractors and kind of home improvement fans. So oh, I can't name any names, but you want us to start rumors, and get the publicity <laughs> mill going. Does it rhyme with Bose or Loam Sipo? <laughs> <laughs> I can't mention any names, but I, I think everyone will be happy with with the next uh, retailers that we add. Yeah, that's really cool that you're you're going after these these big name companies, and it's 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 places that a lot of people use and in that are you trying to uh get the people that are in the know or the people that don't quite get it about bitcoin i mean what's what's your target audience for campaigns like this is it is it an effort to adapt people onto the bitcoin route or are you just allowing people who already have bitcoin to use the services in a much much broader scheme 
Well, ideally, we'd like to do both. So people who already use Bitcoin, it, it is easier to use these services because uh, we do have buy and sell through our app if you connect a bank account. But sometimes that does take a little bit longer for people who are new to Bitcoin and they may not be ready to take that jump just yet. We do make it really easy for them to get started. So we do want to appeal to both. But each it's kind of tricky because each retailer has a slightly different audience. And we do think that all of the audiences can benefit from the discounts that are offered. So with Starbucks, uh, you know, one of, one of our targets is like college kids. I, you know, I remember when I was in college, I, you know, I was super broke. I was paying for everything myself and, uh, you know, working a lot and just, you know, struggling to make it through. And it's like a 20% discount on coffee, which I was like, you know, living off of would have been super helpful. So, uh, you know, we want to help people save money and we think it's a really fun thing to do. So yeah, people who already have Bitcoin, we've gotten really great feedback from them. They say, you know, it, it's a very simple process. It's really just a couple clicks and, you know, you have the gift card right there. And uh, people who are new to it seem pretty receptive to the meetups that I've talked to and uh, some of the non-Bitcoiners I know that I've been, you know, mentioning these discounts to are pretty impressed. They're like, oh, wow, this kind of gives me incentive to get into Bitcoin, even if you only use it for a small part of your budget for whatever, whenever you go to that specific retailer. Like some people go to Starbucks several times a week and getting a 20% discount every time you go just seems like a no brainer. It, it would be worth it just to link a bank account to go through our buy sell process and just use you know, put enough money in it just to cover your coffee budget or your, you know, target budget or however people want to budget. So we think it has really good real world value to people outside of Bitcoin. Nice. It's, uh, I, I like Airbits. I like, I like you guys wallet. I use it. I've actually, uh, touted it several times on the show and, and it's, it's such yeah. a, like, uh, it's such a competitive space right now. I mean, I feel like every other article I read is like, this is the number one leading wallet provider. And I'm like, I can't all be number one. <laughs> so I, I guess I'd say is, what are some things that Airbits feels separates them from the crowd and some things that they can improve upon for just the wallet's sake and maybe the user's sake as well? So I think Airbits is in a unique position compared to other wallets because we've done a really good job of combining privacy and ease of use. So we have some of these privacy functions such as encrypted automatic backups. You hold your own private keys, you know, all, all of these things built into the app. And then uh, it's also just a really simple wallet to use. It's very familiar to, um, to mobile banking, for example, it's, uh, you know, it has a kind of familiar interface. We try to appeal to kind of the broadest audience possible. Oh, a, another kind of security feature. Then this kind of, this is, this is for people who, uh, the more, the more privacy oriented people, we have hierarchically, hierarchically. I can never say this word, HD wallets. <laughs> <laughs> I say it like perfect every time I'm not in front of a microphone. Hierarch hierarchically deterministic wallets. So that means <laughs> the address changes every time you create a new one. And uh, so that's really fun. Um, it kind of throws off people who are new to it. They're like, why does my why does my address keep changing? But it's actually a really good thing. So you're not reusing wallet addresses. And we also have the buy-sell feature in there, which kind of appeals to people who don't mind 
putting out certain information, the same amount of information as you would have a Coinbase, only what differentiates us from Coinbase is that you hold your private keys. So you have complete autonomy with this wallet. You have all of the privacy features that a lot of these people who are really big on security, like the Open Privacy Project, people really like Airbits and you know, all of these security professionals, you know, it's very feature heavy for them, but it's, but that's all kind of built in under the hood. So it's not intimidating to people who have never heard of Bitcoin or have never used it before. And it's also, I like our login process a bit. You can set up a pin number to log in. And this is a little more of a familiar process than having to type in a username and password every time. Mm-hmm. And most recently, I think you did the touch ID. Think, yes, or, there's touch yes. ID too. If you have, yeah, if you uh, have an iPhone, yeah, Apple that's been, so that's smooth. I like it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so we, we've, uh, I don't know, we've interviewed, a, I guess, a broad range of different people, and the and the kind of Bitcoin seems to work really, really, really well for a certain amount of people. Say, like the escort service workers we've interviewed love it because it it gives them a lot of the opportunities that they weren't able to do beforehand until this came along. Uh, startups and business owners are loving it and it gives them uh, a lot less fees and such. Do you think that the idea of, of getting Bitcoin into space is going after the people in need of it or trying to go after the mass appeal audience? I think it has appeal to both. And it's, it's certain, certainly something we try to do at Airbits. We try to uh, appeal to both. I think personally something like Bitcoin is so revolutionary and you're going to see it being used the most, at least at first, among people who need it the most. So you mentioned escort services. I think that's an excellent example. A lot of these people cannot get bank accounts because banks disagree with their with uh, their line of work. So uh, and then this goes for other small business owners, too. So it's really beneficial for them to start taking Bitcoin or anyone who needs to send money back home to their family. Maybe they're overseas, you know, working here and they have family in another country. It's good for remittances. You save a lot in the percentages when you're able to transfer money into Bitcoin and then or transfer dollars into Bitcoin and then uh, turn that Bitcoin back overseas. So I think that's really great. So, and I, I think it does kind of start in the kind of smaller niche subcultures and then branches out from there. Obviously, we do try to appeal to everyone with something like Starbucks and Target right in the wallet. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it starts in kind of these smaller subcultures and then grows from there. And, uh, we're, we're trying to strike that balance as well as we can. I think we're doing a great job at it. I would agree. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. And Corey, if I if I can tack on to that that question, um, th- there's this quote that I read. It says, uh, "True equality comes when when schools get all the money they want, and the Air Force needs a bake sale to buy a bomber." Which is essentially saying that wars wouldn't happen if if governments had to use like a Kickstarter to raise funds. In <laughs> your opinion, why do the politicians and the bureaucrats fear and loathe personal privacy so much, especially where money is concerned? Well, it it comes back to control. Uh, these people are very comfortable in their positions of power because they've held them for a long time. And they think that that entitles them to that power and can, and using any means necessary to, to retain it over people. And yeah, when, when it comes to war, no, when, it, when it comes to these other things, 
uh, it, it's a way for them to keep that control over people. And it's a lot of times when it comes to politicians, there's this kind of hypocrisy of, oh, well, you know, you know, you shouldn't have any privacy if, if you're not doing anything wrong. But they're some of the most corrupt people. If, if they had as little privacy as they'd want us to have, then I would make for some very interesting headlines, I'm sure. And a lot of them are very bad at keeping their, uh, you know, bad deeds under wraps anyways. So those end up coming out. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's just a a lot of hypocrisy. And uh, the thing is, when you have tools like encryption available to everyone, you can keep secrets. You can keep your data private. And it's not something that can be broken. It's not really something that can be outlawed. Technology will always find a way around uh, certain laws and other government structures uh, that are trying to impose anti-privacy measures. You know, I feel like that's that's really along the lines of of the ideas that Paul Pui carries around with him. Is that is that fair enough to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, and I, I will say, I think Paul's uh, more moderate than I am <laughs> in regards to some of these things. Uh, you know, he, um, but that is at the core of, uh, I think, this, the structure of our wallet. Um, so the, our, we're known for being a Bitcoin wallet, but the underlying technology is called edge security. And this is a platform that the wallet is built upon and can be used for a lot of other things too. It can be used to secure other types of private data, private messages, um, you know, things like that, even changing the way that you log in uh, through something like BitID. So there's a lot of other features of the app that people may not be aware of. Again, we've started as a, as a Bitcoin app, but the platform can be broadened and used for a lot of things. Well, we've got one last question for you, MK. Yeah. It's a tough one. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> In 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? 10 words. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is a digital currency built on top of a payment system that okay, hold on, let me start over. Bitcoin is a, <laughs> I had it backwards. Bitcoin is a payment system that allows you to send a digital currency to anywhere in the world for uh, under one percent. You got about uh, too many words. You doubled, it, you doubled your limit. Oh, my we're, limit. Uh-huh. We're going to have to. <laughs> Bitcoin a is a payment system that facilitates the transfer of digital currency. Oh, three strikes. Oh. <laughs> three, three strikes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ten words or question. less is hard. I mean, I can yeah, do it, it in really like a is. sentence, you know, but like ten words. I, it's hard for me to count the words as I'm saying them, you know. We've had yes. some interesting responses, so. Everything from geek money to what was some of the other the stuff? Streets. Said? The streets. The hood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some interesting responses. So Magical internet money for outlaws. There you go. Magical Perfect. internet money for outlaws. All right. That's five. That counts. <laughs> that counts. Well, MK, thank you for stopping by the show. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, I love Airbits. I don't know if I could speak on behalf of the show. I think I can speak on behalf of the show. Yeah, we, you can. 
We Sorry, love Airbus. Safe money. <laughs> we're, we're all friends in the wallet space for the most part. You know, there's healthy competition, but there's a lot of camaraderie too. So absolutely, yeah, the I, open sourceness of y'all's project allows you to have a lot of transparency between Bitcoin wallets and you know sharing your features and such. So mm-hmm. kind of the whole community really gets to gets to flourish from from software development like that. Absolutely, yes. And uh, I wish we could, I wish we could be, uh, with you tonight, but, uh, sadly we can't. So just tell everyone about us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will definitely. So yeah, if you're ever in San Diego, uh, definitely come check out the meetup. We'll be doing it once a month. So will do. All right. Have a, have a good night. <laughs> Thanks. You guys too. Thanks so much for having me on. It was All great. Right. All right. <laughs> right bye bye. And that was the interview with MK Lords Community Mon Monster. Wow. Community, community Man- Monster. <laughs> community Monster. <laughs> monster. Anyway, community manager uh for Airbits, which is a wallet slash all around good ass company. Um and they have a lot of big things in the pipeline. You notice that they may have some more stores that they're adding to the fold app. So you can get some discounts spinning those bits. And while we're talking about bits, can I can I can I introduce that as a talking point, Cello? Go for it, man. Bits. I want to put my foot down and maybe even represent the Bitcoin podcast saying the conversation needs to change to bits and not Bitcoin. When we're talking about a unit of account. Is it okay that I do that, fellas? So like a thousand bits, ten thousand bits. Why? Why? Because there's a psychological effect to to owning money, to owning things, and to getting things. And you don't really entice newcomers to wanting to get Bitcoin when they look up the price and it says that it's four hundred dollars. Actually, what is it now? Today is. So if you introduce someone to Fiat, you're not going to give them a thousand dollar bill. You're just going to give them a bag of pennies and they'll be more excited. Well, you're not going to introduce someone to Fiat. Fiat is like indoctrinated. It's, a, it's humanity just a hypothetical though. You know what I mean? You know, but you would, I get like, what you're saying. you would like the central unit of Bitcoin, the network to be, to a, be bit. a bit. Maybe not the network. I, okay. Let me get this straight in my head. Bitcoin network, capital B is the exchange network, mm-hmm. right? And the tokens that you use on the exchange network, bitcoins, mm-hmm. don't necessarily... What you're trying to say is that you don't want to misconstrue the idea that you can only send a whole unit of bitcoin, which if you're introducing it to somebody, they may think in the first place. You would yes. like them to understand that it's any denomination of bitcoin that you would like to send. And yes. using the word bits gets that through a little better. It does. It's like penny. It's, 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 it's having something that people can approach. You know, we've been doing this for a while. I've been into Bitcoin for, for years now. And even people that are just in the ride with me because they're my friends and loved ones, you know, they don't care about Bitcoin whatsoever. Even when they're just trying to make conversation with me, they're like, Oh, I looked at Bitcoin. Uh, one of it's a $400, man. I can't get one of those. I should have got one when it was 200 something. And I'm like, after all these years of me talking to you, you still don't understand that you can get whatever increment of Bitcoin that you want. It's, you can get it down to decimal points. 
they don't want to do decimal points. Regular people are too busy for that shit. Then you say, then you say, you don't need to tell them that. Wallets don't care about that. Just say, how much money do you want to buy? Yeah. How much would but, you like to invest in Bitcoin? Okay. There you go. You can do that. You don't have to. There's like, just say, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin at once. You can buy however much at once you want. It's not like a stock where you have to buy a, a, a denomination of shares in a stock, right? Yeah, that's, and that's what, what people saying. That's what people think about as in terms of an investment. Well, how many shares of this stock should I get? And each share costs X amount of dollars. They think a bit, one Bitcoin is one share of the Bitcoin network. And that's yes. not necessarily true. And that's you need what to tell thinking. them that it's, you can use however much money you want. You can buy cups of coffee with Bitcoin. And if they don't get that idea, then you're not explaining Bitcoin well in the first place. Hmm. See, I think I'm explaining it okay. I just think that there's that natural, like, there's a disconnect there between people having to do floating point math on the fly. They don't have to. Wallets don't care. You can just, it's, it, the, they'd make the, the wallets do the conversion for you. You put the, the increment or the amount of US dollar that you would like to spend, if that's the currency you're currently using for your wallet. And it does the conversion to Bitcoin based okay. on the current exchange rate. But I'm talking about from an investment standpoint as well. Okay. What? That shit either. Just, just, I mean, it, it, just, let's look at, let's look at the Coinbase app. I purchase a hundred dollars of, of Bitcoin as is just hypo, hypothetical. And then it gets in my wallet and I say, cool. I now have a hundred dollars of Bitcoin. I check it two days later. Uh, the, the price moved. It's $105. Oh, cool. My, I, my, my money went up $5 and at, at no yeah, point do I have to figure out how much. Look at the domineering unit of exchange that you're giving us though. It's dollars, hundred dollars and now $5 well, more. That's, now that's the, that's the, more, you know, dollars, dollars. canonical example for what people are comfortable with because it's the world's most secure fiat currency right now. And so everyone thinks in us dollars and then how their fiat currency typically compares to it. But at some point, it's going to change to where people are thinking in terms of bits. And that's what you'd like, right? You would yes. like the, the, the whole idea is never go to a fiat currency. It, it's only, you know, for sale point, you know, 2000 bits. Yes. That's, that's, that's what I'd like. And, and even from an investment standpoint, to me, that is cooler. Like I've got my Coinbase wallet denominated in bits. And so every single time lawnmower kicks in and I look at the email, it's like you've initiated a purchase for 30,000 bits. And I'm like, dang, that's so many bits. I do like a little bitty dance every time. I'm like 30,000. Yes. And that, that's like a psychological effect there. One dollar can get me what almost 2000 bits. So if you tell somebody like, Hey, you can get a dollar and go get 2,000 bits right now. They're like, whoa, 2,000? 2,000 of a thing? For a dollar? Bitcoin's not even that expensive. I'll go ahead and get $100 worth. I mean, that's a rapid psychological network effect that could take place if we, the community, started talking in bits. So people. Are you talking could, about millennials or just the general community? I'm talking about the community, like, talking bits and understand things in bits because. That psychological effect will perpetuate. What if there's a negative only, to that? And, uh -huh. you, and you, what if there's a negative to that psychological effect and you may alienate them because they don't understand it? They're like, ah, yeah. I don't understand what that conversion is. And it seems like funny, like monopoly money now. I don't trust it. Breaking down Bitcoin below the like very understandable price per coin concept isn't going to be easy to understand. 
It's moving a decimal point. See, that's the thing. That's the disconnect. You're a math teacher. Well, it, I think it won't be easy to understand here in America. We do things weird. Like, we have first floor, basement, and second floor, whereas everywhere else they have zero floor, one, first floor, and negative, negative first floor. Like, we're just, or I guess that's in Europe, but. No, it's here too. It's there too. Yeah, everybody else does things that make sense. We start on the first floor. Well, they start on zero, ground level. Like, so, I mean, it's going to be tough for maybe Americans to get used to. But everybody else has been working with powers of 10 for, like, decades. I think it'll attract, like, lower income customers. Whatever it may be, you get thousands, maybe millions of people that own $100 worth of Bitcoin. And look what that does to to the market cap of Bitcoin. I agree that that avenue may help some people get in, like, you know, excited about making Bitcoin purchases. But personally for me, it, 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 I don't really care. Well, we've been in this long enough. I can go Well, I also way. deal with numbers and unit conversions on a daily basis. That's my kind of my job. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I, it's, it's all a matter of what unit are you thinking of it in. But a lot of people don't think that way. So it may be, I don't know. I, I'm afraid that they may find it exciting, but once they have 3,000 bits, they don't know what to do with it. And they're like, well, this is worthless because they bought 3,000 bits for a dollar and it doesn't buy them anything. And it's like, well, you need 400,000 bits to buy a piece of coffee, a cup of coffee. And so now they think that Bitcoin isn't worth anything if, if, they're, if they're at that level of understanding. Uh, if you just let them think in the, in the amount of money that they're comfortable thinking in, then the amount of value that they're exchanging is understood. And Bitcoin just becomes the medium to exchange the value. There's yeah. no commas after the decimal point. So it's it's going to be hard to tell the difference between like 0.0008 and 0.000008. And yeah. it's, it's, man, it's all too easy for humans to make mistakes when dealing with such tiny fractions. Yeah, it is. Which is why we need to have the conversation how we take this forward, I think. Bits is a great name, though. Yeah, I mean, we like name. we like bits. Uh, bits I would is like already a thing, you know. People we'll complain put this about on ZapChain and see if the community will will uh, give us their opinion on. We can create an escort service called Titbits or Bits for Tits. Yep. Um, knew, we 30. needed to take it there. We need we needed to take it there. <laughs> tits for bits. How about one bit tits is a thousand tits. satoshis? That's what it is, isn't it? Yes, that's one bit is a thousand satoshis. Holy shit, is it really? I just yes. came up with that. Nice. Yes. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Maybe I heard it like a year ago and it's just been in the back of my brain. You heard it about a month ago when I said it on the show. There we go. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Subliminally giving me knowledge. <laughs> I hope I'm right about that and there's not a communal backlash, but I'm pretty sure what bit is a thousand satoshis and then well, a then- thousand bits is one bitcoin no yeah. you're a little off there i'm a little off there i think you're a thousand off 10 to the 9 is the satoshi 10 to the minus 9 satoshi mm-hmm. 10 to the minus 6 is some micro unit that's a bit so a hundred thousand bits thousand bits mm. or is it a thousand bits what's 10 to the minus 3 10 to the minus 3 this is milli i think okay then what's micro not bits. It's just something else. Okay. 
Damn it. So we have, we have naming issues with the denominations of bits. So we're already at an issue with, with dealing with bits. Yeah. We gotta call it something else. Because it's no, no, impossible you're right. to fathom. Bits is micro. It's it is micro. So yeah. there's a hundred thousand bits to a single Bitcoin. Uh huh. Then there's a thousand Satoshis as a single bit. Mm hmm. See how confusing That's, it is. But the thing is, imagine when a Satoshi becomes irrelevant in terms of a denomination of value. A, a, a billion anything is really hard to imagine. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, unfa- it's, it's almost unfathomable. Although we use that word a lot in terms of everyday use, we talk about, you know, national debt or how much, how much money someone has. Dealing with that amount of things is almost impossible to, it, it, to imagine physically. You can't, you literally can't imagine one billion single dollar bills in physical space. I saw a video on it once. Isn't it like stack up as tall as the Empire State Building? It's stupid. I mean, I, I can't do it off the top of my head. It's like one cell and I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. It's pretty dumb. But I can't, I can't, I, I wouldn't know the perfect conversion of my head to what we're going to say. So that was a solid talking point. I, I think the unit of account needs to be assessed as we move forward. This shit's moving forward. Well, so it really those- depends on what society thinks about value. When, yeah, but, and, and then what that amount of value can get them. So when you start right now, you know, if I want to buy a Snickers bar, it costs me, I don't know what, $1, $1.50. I don't know how much it costs in America. So that's what you think about. And that's the value exchange for the item, right? That's how much that item is worth. At some point, maybe we hope that Whoa. when you start to think about how much value you need to purchase that Snickers bar, it's just, it's, it's in bits or Bitcoin because yeah. that's what you're, that's what you're holding on to. That's what you're keeping your value stored because maybe the dollar isn't worth a shit anymore or it's volatile. Bitcoin isn't anymore. Who knows what happens in the future? What, what's uh, up, Cello? You were like, Whoa. Oh, um, no, I don't know. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Did you hear that too, Corey? I just Keanu'd him, I guess. Okay. All right. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, maybe one day people start thinking in a different denomination, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess so. You only have to accommodate what society wants to think about in value. And right now it's most convenient to think about value in terms of U.S. dollar because that's what most people compare what they think has value to give it a quantitative number. So like I have this much gold, how much U S dollars is that? I have this much product. How much U S dollars is that? My fiat, uh, currency compared to the United States currency is worth what? So how much money do we have? So yeah, right now as a global standard, the U S dollar is typically compared to, we hope that one day it's compared to Bitcoin because it's a much better storage of value. But right now that's not the case. So we'll just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was good. Good something to think about. What about uh, oh, our boy Jamie Dimon? Everybody's taking a dump on Bitcoin this week. The entrenched guys, the institutionalized guys. And Bitcoin, Bitcoin's worthless, but that Bitcoin thing is awesome. That's essentially what they're saying, and it's just so funny. To me. 
That's because they, they don't understand it. They just they don't get it. They don't. It's like, oh, wow, that can make us money. That, that's cool. Oh, uh, it failed. I told you so. It's, they don't know anything about it. So it's really hard to just even listen to the. And then what did the CEO of Citibank or whatever was like, Bitcoin has failed. But Bitcoin, the technology has not failed. And well, that's been going on for months and months. The God banks want the technology. They just don't want the Bitcoin. They're just going to need to understand something. Like, unless they make bank coin, and then all of a sudden, everyone just thinks that banks are the most trustworthy things ever, is they need to get with Bitcoin. Like, there's no there's no problem with, uh, with the banks coming together and using some type of blockchain technology to solve an issue with the way they do things amongst themselves. That does nothing for Bitcoin. Those are private blockchains that could be used for a certain purpose, and they may work well for that purpose. But it doesn't mean Bitcoin's going to fail. Yeah, it like definitely doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. It's it's a, it's an open ledger, and to say that someone else uses an open ledger in a different way means the first implementation of the ledger is is stupid and doesn't work anymore. That's, you sound like you work for a bank, sir. No, it, the bank people don't understand that, and, and the people who say that. If the banks use, you know, a different blockchain, then Bitcoin's going to fail. It doesn't. It means nothing. Yeah. Are they mutually exclusive? No. They put value in each other. I would say. I mean, it's ones of ones that ones requires no permission to use. The other one does. The other one does. So the permissioned blockchain will be good for those who have permission, which will probably just be banks. Which means they can move money amongst themselves much better and keep a real good record on who sent who what. But, but that doesn't concern the public. So who yeah. gives a shit? So whenever they want to use the permissionless blockchain, they're going to have to have a way to make that connection. Eh, that's fine. There will be there will be on ramps to that type of thing. The mm-hmm. banks will probably allow you to store Bitcoin. They'll probably allow you to keep Bitcoin in their bank account, in your bank account. And then it, when it they move money amongst themselves, they convert it. It has to be multi-sig. I don't want them having... I want them not having control over my money like they do now. Well, what's nice is that if they don't use it, the smarter community who is, who is aware of things like that will yell and yeah. say, don't use this company because it's not safe. It's yeah. against all the practices of keeping your money safe and being the owner of your own money. And they say, oh, okay, what do I do then? And then there will be 13 internet tutorials to do what you need to do. Man, we should be those bastions for the community. Well, when that happens, we'll do that. Hell yeah. What'd you just say? What word was that? Ba- bastion. The last, the last bastion. Bastion. Nice. I like it when you use words I don't hear every day. I just, sometimes when I say words, I hope I'm using them correctly. He watched Never Ending Story yesterday, and now he's really excited. I didn't watch it the other day, but <laughs> I did see that it went to like, uh, I did see that it's on Netflix now or something. And I got really pumped, but uh, I'm a little. I don't want to watch the scene where the horse dies, because man, I couldn't take that shit when I was a kid. Betray you, betray you now! And I was like, "Damn, dude!" But I see your horse is dying, but that wolf is coming, though. Man, you gotta do something. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely a a child mentality. Like when you're watching that movie. Do something. Man, that movie hit hit children in the feels, man. Like when uh, Bruce Willis uh, sacrificed himself at Armageddon style. Oh, that's too much, dude. 
That, you just go straight for the big ones today, aren't you, Chichello? Nine Eleven, sorry, Armageddon, dude. Harry Stamper is a goddamn <laughs> American legend, and he needs a statue, man. He needs a statue. Ah, oh, Harry Stamper. Anyways, um, let's wrap it up. We're gonna wrap it up. Sure. All right, so let's plug some stuff. Uh, Cello's been working on a mixtape. Uh, and you can find his, you can find his, you can find his mixtape. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. <laughs> you, can, you can find, he hasn't been working on a mixtape, although we should. Uh, if I, if I came up with a mixtape, I would get you guys to listen to it really hard though. And you guys would never listen to it. I played in my classroom for my students. <laughs> let them, let them hear your sick beats. Um, Cello doesn't have a mixtape, but we do have a website, thebitcoinpodcast.com. <laughs> Uh, it's where we put all of our shit for you guys to look at and, uh, just go ahead and go to the bitcoinpodcast.com right now. Drop what you're doing. If you're driving, turn on autonomous driver mode and go to the bitcoinpodcast.com. That sounds not safe. That's not it's safe dangerous. at all. You'll don't slam it. What's up? I don't, don't, don't do that. It's pull over. Yeah. Yeah. It's not safe. We promote. Uh, Secure practices. Yeah. Pull over. Go to the bitcoinpodcast.com. Check us out. Uh, oh, so, newsletter. Yeah, like go sign up for the newsletter and you'll get a nice hey, little. If up? someone got into a car accident though and, and passed away and when they looked at their phone, the Bitcoin podcast was on their phone. No, no, we're not going there. We're not even going to go there. Okay. Yeah. We need, <laughs> um, do we need to say some stuff for legal reasons? <laughs> yeah. Guys, don't do that. I mean, I feel like that should be obvious. Don't do that. All right, cool. Um, we post cool stuff on there. Get the newsletter. You'll get a nice, friendly email from us that's like, hey, guess what? We've been up to shit, and you can see it if you go to the website. And there's clinks, not clinks, links, and things you could click to see what we've been up to. Uh, at the BTC podcast, I will repeat Wait, we don't need to repeat. We're doing good. I got like 30 followers this week. Yeah, but I, I want to repeat for a very special someone that we had on the show last week. <laughs> Miss Imogen Heath at the BTC Podcast. Shout out to BTC Podcast. I didn't know who you were until Oh, that's week. right. Yeah. <laughs> they had 20 followers. <laughs> um, But it's the BTC Podcast. Uh, What else? You could... Thank Look at the blog. Oh yeah, next week or not next week, right? Next Come, week. Yeah, next week we got Lil B, the base god, on the show to talk about how Bitcoin has affected his life and how much love he has for Bitcoin. Spoiler alert: It hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny episode. Um, what else do we have? I I wrote some blogs. Got some blogs coming out to you. It's hoorah stuff. Hoorah, hoorah stuff. Yeah, Dimitri, uh, the loud talkers in the Bitcoin community like to talk about Bitcoin being the honey badger of money. Dimitri mm-hmm. touches on that. I did. Honey badger, don't down. Give, honey badger don't give a fuck. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, uh, the Facebook, go to the Facebook, like us on Facebook. We post stuff on there. Sometimes it's really inspirational, like... Uh, quotes from Tupac and Biggie. 
circa 1995. And well, it would have to be. That's when they were alive. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> other times we're just posting stuff about our episodes. And, you know, I guess that's everything. Did I hit everything? Yeah. Okay, yep. guys. Play the outro.